I want to talk to you about stubborn prayer. Now, when I say stubborn, I don't mean in a bad way. I mean stubborn in a good way. Persistent prayer. We're about to see that Jesus was real big on persevering, persistent prayer. Prayer that doesn't give up. Now, I want to read a couple of verses. Luke 18, 1 is sort of the golden rule of prayer in the kingdom of God. And let's read this. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they what? Read it with me. Should always pray and not give up. Always pray and not faint. Not give up. Not put up the white flag. How often are we to pray? Always. Now, he talked about the same theme in Matthew 7, verse 7. Let's read this together. You know this one. But let's read it together. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Now your Bible says ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be open. But the Greek language puts it in a continuum. That is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Somebody said to me one time, if you pray for something more than once, you're not praying in faith. And I look at them and said, well, you haven't read your Bible. Because Jesus said, faith will keep on asking and seeking and knocking. And it won't quit. Faith perseveres. So let's pray today. Lord, we thank you for persevering faith. And that you have told us not to give up in our praying, not to quit not to put up the white flag. So, Lord, we pray that today you will help us in Jesus' name to ask and keep on asking. Now, church, I want you to breathe a prayer towards heaven and say, Lord, increase my prayer life. Increase my faith in prayer, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you know, I always want you to say something to the person next to you. You've got to turn to the person next to you and say, don't give up on prayer. God hadn't given up on you. And just tell them that. I'm hallucinating. My sister back there. I'm sorry. I was taken back. Janae. I'm sorry, folks. Forgive me. I didn't know my sister was coming. Now I've embarrassed her. So stand up, Janae, and just wave. There she is. And who else is here? Oh. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. That was a family matter. I have three sisters. I'm the only boy. And uh, that's my youngest one. All right. Now, God is a God who has taught us to pray. These two passages that we just read are all about persevering in prayer, not giving up. We would say, keep on keeping on. Don't faint. Don't quit. Jesus said, don't just knock once or ask once or seek once, but keep on. Let it be a way of life because you will receive, you will find, and it will be open to you. Now, just so you'll know, that little trilogy of words there, ask, seek, and knock, our progression. Ask means to simply request, make a petition. Lord, I'm asking for, and you fill in the blank. I need a job, whatever. Seek means to inquire or to investigate 
or to search out or to get to the bottom of something. And what it means is you ask for something from God and then you put feet to your faith. Like you can't ask for a job and sit in your living room and get one. Amen? So ask for the job and then go seek one. And then in your seeking, knock on a lot of doors and keep on knocking. So it's a progression. Ask for it, seek it out, and then knock means to beat a door with a stick. Now we have door knockers, but back then I guess they just got sticks and hit the door. Okay? So it's saying, I, I want entrance in here. There's something I want. I want access. I want into this room, into this place, into this arena. I want in. And so you're knocking and you're persevering in your knocking. Bang, 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 bang on the door. So that's what I want to talk about today. When you've got to keep on knocking, you've got to keep on persevering and you're not going to give up. Jesus in these two verses we read is forewarning us that there's going to be times when we pray and they are not going to be immediately answered. He's informing us of that. Now I'm going to try today to tell you a few reasons why we must sometimes wait. There's only three possible answers to a prayer and they're real easy. Yes, it's yours. No, I don't want you to have that. Or yes, but wait. Okay? And there's a fourth one. I think God every once in a while says, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> okay? I've prayed a few of those, and I, I could almost hear him. You have got to be kidding me. But now, primarily, yes, no, or yes, but you must wait. You're going to have to wait on it. And we don't like the wait part. I don't like waiting. I never like waiting. There, I, I just don't like it. I wish I could say that I always had the victory in rush hour traffic. I don't. When I have to wait and it's going nowhere, I'm not one of these people that breaks into a song of hallelujah, although I sometimes try to. You know why it's so hard when God says to you and to me, I want you to wait? Here's why it's so hard. Because we are trained in our culture to not wait for anything. We're literally trained to not wait. We don't, we don't think waiting is a virtue. We think the virtue is being able to get what you want as fast as you can get it. But that is not the virtue of the kingdom of God. Uh, we live in a time of unprecedented speed. Everything, everyday activities that used to take days or weeks or months or sometimes years, we, we get... Instantly, we love the word instant. We love that word instantly. Federal Express brags on, we'll get it to you overnight. Lens Crafters makes eyeglasses in one hour. Can you imagine that? You take in your prescription and they have your glasses for you in one hour. It used to take a couple of weeks. At Walgreens, you can get film developed in an hour. And one thing you can get quickly now is not really necessarily a good idea. You can apply for a loan that used to take several days. But now banks are advertising loan approvals in 30 minutes or less, and that's not good because that means you don't have time to think about what you're doing. It's hard to find any area of daily life that hasn't been accelerated. 
Think about it. Microwaves, cook it in seconds. ATM machines, spit out that money in seconds. Email communications happen in seconds. You write out what you want to say. Do you know that in the, in the days of our founding fathers, uh, when they would send letters, for instance, overseas, it would take months for that letter to get overseas if they received the letter at all and they never knew whether or not their loved one had received it. But now you can type it out, hit send, and if you notice, when you hit send, you can't get it back. So you better be sure what you are saying. You hit send and it's gone. And do you know the smallest interval of time scientists have so far identified is not a millisecond and it's not a nanosecond, it's a honk-a-second. A honk a second is the amount of time between when the light turns green and the driver behind you honks his horn. That's a honk a second. Now, I want to know how many of you have leaned on your horn this week. Come on, tell the truth. Oh, let's have an altar call. Now, those horns are good in some ways, but yeah, honk a second. Get out of my way. I'm in a hurry. We've got the attention span of a gnat. So in a nutshell here, We've been trained not to wait. Technology has taught us not to wait for anything. Now, there's various kinds of waiting. You can be waiting for the right job that I just talked about. You can be waiting for the right spouse, waiting at a bus stop, waiting in an airline terminal, waiting in rush hour traffic. You may be waiting for your spouse to finally come to Christ or your child or your parents, that loved one. You're waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's not easy. And there are some here today that are waiting and wondering if you're stuck in life because you've been waiting so long. And it, whatever it is that you're waiting for, you're starting to be afraid is never going to happen. I'm never going to meet that person. I'm never going to get that job. I'm never going to make that much money. I'm never going to be free of this thing in my life. I'm never, it seems like it's never coming. I'm stuck in a hamster's wheel and I'm just going like this. Have you ever stopped to think that God has a waiting room? If you haven't, let me tell you today, God does. Now, I don't like waiting rooms. I don't understand doctors. And if there's a doctor in here today, forgive me. I'm not slamming you, but have you ever noticed you make an appointment for 10 o'clock. You get there at 9.55. You check in. You sit down and say, I made it. I'm on time. I'm ready to go in. 10.10, 10.20, 10.30, 10 10.45. Name after name after name is called, and none of them are yours, and you're sitting there wondering, did I miss my time? What is taking him so long? I can't believe I'm having to sit in this waiting room this long. And finally, they call your name. They carry you to an examination room, sit you down, and walk out again. And you're sitting, sweating it out in this examination room. And by the time they walk in, what do you get for all the waiting? You get a shot. But I'm going to tell you, God's got a waiting room. There, There are times when God says in our walk with him, I hear you, and I'm not saying no, but I want you to wait here. I want you to wait in my waiting room. Now I'm going to give you two things that happen in God's waiting room. First, God is preparing your answer for you. Second, he's preparing you for your answer. Because some of what we pray for, if God were to give it to us when we prayed for it, we would not be able to handle it. Stop and think for a minute. Moses waited 
40 years for his calling to come to pass. He waited on the backside of a desert, and that was his waiting room. And what was God doing while Moses was in the backside of a desert? He was preparing a million people for Moses, and he was preparing Moses for a million people. Moses could not have handled them until he had been 40 years backside of a desert, herding sheep, alone with God, God chiseling, shaping, molding, making him until he was ready for the call to come to pass. When we're waiting on God, the proverb is always true. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. When you don't understand God's timing, trust Him with all your heart. God's timing has almost never been mine. I'm experiencing things now in my life that I thought I would be experiencing when I was 30. Now that I'm 40, here they come. I'm sorry, I just want to know if you were listening. God, God is not in a hurry. And so we find ourselves in a waiting room and what we thought was going to take 10 minutes or 10 hours or 10 days ends up taking months and sometimes years. Do you know that it takes God 10 to 20 years to make a woman or a man of God? God's not in a hurry. Matter of fact, let me tell you something about the kingdom that we're in. See, here we are, people who are always in a hurry, and we hook up with a Savior who says, I'm going to teach you to wait. Unlike the earthly kingdom that we live in right now, trust me on this one, the kingdom of God to which we have all been transferred and in which we are all citizens now who know Christ, that kingdom is a patient kingdom. It's a patient kingdom. Now, let me tell you what I mean by patience because patience in the Greek language is not what English word patient means. The word patience in the Greek language carries a meaning. Here's the meaning. It is that God gives us the power to patiently continue in his will no matter what trials life throws our way. The Greek word is the idea of I'm holding a load. There's a load on my shoulders, and I'm carrying it with a smile I'm carrying it with grace. It's not breaking me. It's not tearing me down. It's not ruining me. It's not destroying me. But I'm carrying that weight because the grace of God in me is carrying it for me. And I'm not putting up the white flag, walking away from God, getting out of church, putting my Bible down, and giving up on Him. Patient. God gives us the power to patiently continue in His will no matter what life throws our way. So patience is a verb. It is a powerful word. We all have got to have it. Do you know that if we don't have patience, there are some of the most important things of life we're never going to have. Some of the most crucial things that you can experience in life, you will never know unless you have patience carrying that load walking, continuing in the will of God day by day till the day you die. Let me give you a few examples. Patience is one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. But did you know that Jesus said you can't bear spiritual fruit without patience? Jesus said in Luke 8, 15, and the seeds that fell on the good soil, that's you, represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's Word, cling to it, and patiently produce much fruit. So we can't produce the fruit of the Spirit without patience. 
And as the coming of Jesus draws near, you know, sometimes I, I read the Bible, I read the prophecies of the Bible, and it's like I'm reading today's newspaper. I went running into the living room yesterday and sat down and shared some things with Kathy that I'd just begun to see in the Word of God. By the way, isn't it good to see Kathy in church? Yeah. And it's, it's like when you read the Bible, you're reading the, the morning paper, prophecies are coming to pass so quickly, like dominoes, they're falling, like dominoes, they're, one is leading to another and leading to another, and all of them point to the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said, as that time draws near, many are going to betray one another, hate one another. You're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. Some of you will be put in prison. Some of you will be martyred. He, he said all kinds of serious things about what would happen to the church as the day of the Lord draws near. And then he said, in your patience, you possess your soul. As you patiently endure and carry on in Jesus, when the oven gets hotter and the days get darker, we are those who endure to the end. Listen, Bible faith is saving faith, and saving faith is persevering faith. Faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. Not only that, patience in prayer brings deliverance. Did you know that? Deliverance is when God sets you free from something or pulls you out of a situation you could never have gotten yourself out of. He had to do it. That's deliverance. And listen to what David testified. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. So what's the context? He's praying, and he's patiently praying. He, he, he is persevering in prayer, and he says, as I cried to the Lord and I waited patiently for him to act. It says, he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. And who's the rock? His name is Jesus and his teachings. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord as I was praying and crying out to him. And suddenly one day he reached down and pulled me out of a horrible pit. How many of you have ever been in a pit? How many of you have ever been in a horrible pit? And, and, and when you were down there, didn't the devil tell you, this is it, you're done, you're never going to walk again with God, you're finished, your days are over, and yet look where you are today. You're in church with your hands raised to him. There is a smile on your face and a skip on your step because we serve a delivering God. So David testified, and it's a beautiful progression. He says, he brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the quicksand of miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. That means he put stability into my life, and he has put a new song into my mouth, even praise unto our God. And then people started getting saved. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord who delivered you because you patiently prayed until he sent and brought you out of that pit. God delivers. Can you say that with me? God delivers. He really does. And when he does, it's supernatural. Last weekend, we had supernatural deliverances. We had supernatural breakthrough. I wish I could tell you everything that happened last weekend. I'm going to tell you someday soon. But last weekend, we saw God move. We saw satanic assignments canceled in church. We don't come here to see somebody's new dress or new suit or because of a name on a sign, turning point. We come in here to have an encounter with the living God. We expect God to move. 
And we don't care if you're an up and outer or a down and outer. If you're still smoking, you're welcome. If you're on drugs, you're welcome. If you're in some kind of sexual sin, you're welcome. We don't try to clean fish before we catch them. Amen? We don't expect you to be all churched up and dressed up and religioned up when you come to this church. Come as you are because we preach the Bible as it is to men as they are. We don't want you to put on a fake face and try to act like something you are not. Get in here and let the power of God change you. Patiently praying without giving up will protect you from the spiritual python of discouragement. Nothing can wrap itself around your spirit and choke you to death like discouragement. When you feel like there's not another way out, there's not another answer, there's nothing else you can do. You've tried this and tried that and tried the other and nothing has worked and you're discouraged. And the enemy is saying to you, where is your God? Where is the Lord? Where is the answer to your prayer? And between the promise and the prayer we pray, based on the promise and the provision, there is often a lag time. And it's in that lag time that the enemy attacks and says, where's your God? Where's the answer? Where's the power of prayer? And discouragement wants to get a hold of you. And when it does, it takes you out of church. It takes you out of prayer. It takes you out of the word. It takes you out of fellowship. And it fills your mouth with the wrong kind of words. But I want you to listen to David. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary, and they will walk and not, not faint. Even the youths will faint and grow weary, but not those that wait upon the Lord. You can be 70 and live like you're 30, and you can be 30 and live like you're 70. It's all a matter of whether or not you're really walking with the Lord, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Amen. Patience is how we inherit the promises of God. The Bible is a book of promises, but not everybody inherits them. The Bible says, wait in faith on the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. Hebrews 6.12 says, we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now watch, church. Notice he put faith and patience working together. You know why? Because faith can see the promises of God, but patience will keep you hanging around long enough to receive them. I've known lots of people of great faith, but terrible patience. They had faith to believe for anything. They didn't have patience to wait for anything. And so you know, what happens is you pray something in and you get discouraged because it takes too long and you walk away and somebody else receives what you prayed for. If I'm going to pray for something, brother, I'm going to get it. I'll share it with you, but I'm going to receive it. Now, here's the rub. Here's where I'm going today. Very few people have the will to wait. So when we must persevere in prayer, we tend to give up. And here's what we do. We assume that God didn't hear us. 
or that our faith was weak. And we faint. Sometimes we're on our knees praying and it's very urgent to us. God, if you don't give me a job, if you don't break this thing off my life, if you don't provide this, that, or the other, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then it seems like, though it's urgent to us, it's not as urgent to him, and we lose heart. So we ask ourselves, does God see me? Does he know what I'm going through? Is he aware of what I'm battling? And then we even go further, and we say, is there even any point in me walking with God and trying to walk in faith? Because this doesn't seem to be working for me. And it's the waiting that throws us. So I'm going to share with you Three nuggets that have to do with patiently persevering in prayer. First, please understand, God doesn't microwave. He marinates. Now, if you're a guy, you probably don't know what that means. So I'm going to tell you what marinate means. It's when you put meat or fish in a sauce for a period of time to add flavor to the meat or the fish and to make it tender. So marinating tenderizes and marinating adds flavor. Now, I promise you, our God is not a fast food kind of God and heaven is not like McDonald's, Burger King, or Jack in the Box. And God is not a divine bellhop who jumps when you tell him to jump. God has a plan and God has a timing and as his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways. The Bible says his ways are inscrutable. They cannot be known. Sometimes you can't figure him out. And that's why you need to learn to wait. Because I promise you, God slow cooks the best things he brings into your life. Some of you need to be aware that you've been praying and you're discouraged and you don't know why it's taking so long, you need to be aware that God is moving behind the scenes in ways that you cannot see. And there is something in the oven of heaven. And when the right time comes, God is going to call you to the table. And when he calls you to the table, you're going to look at what he's prepared and you're going to say, it was worth the wait. It's absolutely true. David said he prepares. Not that he doesn't microwave. He doesn't fast track it, but he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. I've learned when it takes time, God is marinating the answer. Second thing about waiting on prayer, waiting in prayer, patiently praying. The cause for delay might be spiritual warfare. It might be spiritual warfare. God's preparing the answer for you. He's preparing you for the answer. But the weight might also be spiritual warfare. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, you'll read the story. He was asking God for a revelation. The revelation he was asking for is now in the Bible. And it is one of the prophecies that Daniel received from God that encourages us in these last days. So it was a crucial word from God. And he began to pray. And he was asking God to speak. And it says he began to pray, fast and pray, and it took 21 days for the answer to come. Suddenly an angel broke through. And when the angel broke through, he said something to Daniel. And I want you to catch this. He said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day 
that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. When were the words heard? On the first day. The moment he began to pray, his prayer began to echo in the chambers of God's throne room. But look what happened. It took 21 days for the answer to get to him. And the angel tells us why. He says, for 21 days, he tells Daniel, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, here's what he's saying. He's giving us a glimpse into spiritual warfare. There are three heavens. Paul said, I was taken up into the third heaven and saw things that I cannot write or talk about. The third heaven is where God's will is perfectly done. It's where God dwells and where the angels dwell. And it's where Jesus dwells in the third heaven. The second heaven is the realm of spiritual warfare. The first heaven is the earthly atmosphere in which we live. The second heaven is what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 6 when he said, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So Daniel begins to pray. And when he began to pray, God said, got it. I heard you. Here's the answer. And he sent an angel with the answer. As the angel was coming to earth with the answer, he was blocked in the second heaven by a spirit prince, rulers of the darkness of this world spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. He was blocked. And Daniel did not faint in the 10th day or the 15th day or the 20th day. He kept on praying until God sent reinforcements and the enemy that was blocking the prayer was subdued and the answer came to Daniel. Now, what I'm telling you is this. Sometimes when you and I pray, and it's crucial, we need guidance. We need a breakthrough. We need a word. We need something. And the answer is sent, but we experience warfare. The enemy tries to block it. Why? Because the Bible says that every time God answers a prayer, the Father is glorified in His Son. And Satan doesn't want the Father glorified, especially in the Son, who Satan hates. So he will do everything in the world to stop it. But Daniel persevered until the answer came. I think of Elijah, who prayed patiently for rain at the end of a three-and-a-half-year drought. For three-and-a-half years, there had not been one drop of water that fell upon Israel from the sky or dew on the ground. And yet, Elijah kept on praying. He told King Ahab, get ready, it's about to rain. And he told him when there was nothing but a clear blue hot sky. He put his head between his knees, and he began to pray. And it says, six times he sent his servant to scan the horizon, and six times he was told, there is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing, 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 one negative report after another. But Elijah's prayer and faith was not deterred. He kept saying, go again, go again, go again. And that is what faith says when we're having to persevere in prayer. Go again, 
pray again, seek again, ask again, knock again, don't give up, keep at it, don't give up. Your God is on the throne. He hasn't forgotten you. You're in a warfare. If you keep on keeping on, the back of the devil will be broken. Keep going to prayer and don't give up and the answer will come. On the seventh time, the servant came back and said, well, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. Hey, folks, that's all God needs, a cloud the size of a man's hand, like a fist. And Elijah told Ahab, you better get in your chariot and head for the castle because it's about to be, as we would say in East Texas, a gully washer. And it poured and it stormed and God sent rain on a parched ground because of the persistent prayer of one man. Persevere. You might be in warfare. One last thing. When it comes to persevering prayer, delay is not denial. Noah waited 120 years for God's word to manifest. That's not a word to you. But Noah waited 120 years. Abraham waited till he was 100 years old before he had a child. Don't you know he looked up sometimes and said, Hey, God, have you noticed my age? But God knew his age. At 100 years old, he had a child. Way to go, Abraham. Amen. Moses waited 40 years for his calling. Delay is not denial. One anonymous person wrote, God always hears and answers prayer, though long may be the trial. Let patience bloom while God prepares. Delay is not denial. Have you been waiting long? God is with you. He's hearing you. And unless he has said no, you're in a persevering prayer situation. The Lord's rule for prayer to his disciples and to us today still is, men ought always to pray and not to faint. What may be a no to us is a not right now to heaven. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. It shall be given. You shall find. It shall be opened. That's the promise. Andrew Murray, who was a great writer on prayer, wrote, When faith has taken its stand upon God's word and the name of Jesus and has yielded itself to the leading of the Spirit to seek only God's will and honor in its prayer, it need not be discouraged by delay. I want to close with a quick story. George Mueller is one of the most famous prayers in the history of the church. He lived in the 1800s London. He had an orphanage where there were hundreds of children that needed to be fed every day. And Mueller, at the beginning of his ministry to the orphans, had said, I will never ask for a dime. I will go to the throne room. And he went to God's throne room daily, and God provided daily what he needed, amazingly. I mean, he would, how many times did he walk out on his front porch and somebody had left exactly what he needed? George Mueller, famous for his prayer life. And he wrote this down one time, a testimony. Here's what he said. I have been praying 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. I'm going to read that again because I read it twice when I first read it. I have been praying 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion. Now, how many of us would have quit after 20 years, 30 years? Well, they're one of those that are never going to repent. They're one of those that are just going to go to hell no matter what I do. But Mueller kept on praying. And he says, he went on to write, he's not saved yet, but he will be. How can it be otherwise? I am praying. 
Now, get this, the day came. The day came when Mueller's friend finally received Christ. But you know when it happened? It happened at Mueller's funeral. As they were lowering his, lowering his body down into the ground, his friend watched it going down and said, I remember all the things that great man told me about Christ. I believe in the Christ he preached. And that day when Mueller was buried, his friend got saved. Church, you don't even have to be alive for God to answer your prayers. And you may pray for 60 years, but you know what persevering faith says? It says, that's okay. I'm not affected by time. So I want you to stand with me, would you? God is getting the answer ready for you and getting you ready for the answer. God is marinating the answer. He's really going to make it good. And you might be in a warfare. Now, the Lord directed me as I was getting ready for this weekend to pray for those who were in that category, who you know something is God's will, you know He wants it for you, but there's a warfare. You know He has said yes, but there's a warfare. There is something. You know you're fighting an unseen enemy. I want to lock my faith with yours, and I want to pray with you today. Last night, God moved in such a wonderful way in the Saturday night service. And then in the early service today, and he's going to do it again. I believe there is power in the prayer of agreement. So if you're in that kind of battle, I want you to slip out and come. You're in a battle over your family, a battle over something you know God wants for you, and there is a battle. I want you to slip out and come. And let's believe God to do a miracle today. And maybe you need Jesus in your heart. If you are not sure of your salvation, or if you used to walk with the Lord and you've drifted away, can I encourage you today? Come down. Don't give the devil one more hour of victory in your life. Come down, and we're going to pray with you, and Jesus is going to bring peace to your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I bring to you these precious people. Lord, the Word of God is true, every word of it. And right now, Lord, we know that some of us are in a battle. The enemy has blocked our prayer. Just like he blocked Daniel's prayer answer, there is a battle over our prayer. And yet, Lord, we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so, Lord, right now we come to you, all of you in the altar, and some of you in the audience, let's lay hold of God right now and say with me, Lord Jesus, I take my stand on the Word of God, on the promises of God, on the Spirit of God, on the blood of Jesus and the weapons of my warfare. I thank you that the devil is a defeated enemy and Lord, I pray that you will send reinforcements to break the power of whatever is blocking the answer to my prayer. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that the enemy is defeated and victory is mine. And Lord, that you reward those who seek you. 
And it is your good pleasure to give the kingdom to your children. Now, Lord, I lay hold of your promise. And by faith, I storm the gates. I come boldly into your throne room. And I ask you to send grace and mercy in the hour of need. The answer is mine. I wrest it from the enemy. And I receive it by faith. In the mighty name of Jesus, I will never be the same, never again. It is mine in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen and amen. Now give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. With our heads bowed just for a moment, I hear a word from the Lord. And I, and I hear a verse. It says, though it tarry, wait for it. Though it tarry, wait for it. For it shall surely come, and you will not be disappointed. Though it tarry, wait for it, and walk in my peace, and walk in my joy. And think not of what you don't have, but what you do have. Rest in me, for I am in control and I am sovereign, and I will do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I want to say to all of you, God's a prayer answering God. You, there is such power in prayer. Use it. Go home. Take the phone off the hook. Shut People Magazine. Turn off the TV. Grab your Bible. Go into our prayer closet, shut the door, shut the pets out, shut the kids out, shut everybody out, and stay there until God speaks. He's got a word for you. He's got a word for you. Amen? Now,